You're listening to the Cornerstone Chapel High School Youth Ministry. Let's head into the service for this week's message. Let's read, shall we? Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. I'd like uh, to give you kind of a Christmas story perspective today. It is four days till Christmas, and uh, we need to have a Christmas story. Next week, um, we are going to finish the gospel. We are in the gospel series, and uh, we've been talking about John the Baptist, Jesus, the stories uh, that Jesus did, his ministry, his parables, his healing, um, his disciples, his calling of the disciples, and we've just been kind of going... One by one, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, in the gospel as a nutshell, what it really means. And uh, again, in the Greek, it means good news. It's the good news about who? Jesus. Jesus. There we go. It's the good news about Jesus. And so today, I know we're going kind of backwards because we've already talked about Jesus and the disciples and his ministry, and we're getting close to his death and resurrection. But I want to go back to, backwards and read about his birth because uh, it is the Christmas season. And next week, we will finish the gospel talking about Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection and then an ascension back into heaven. It's a great story. But for today, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2. So let's read Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. And uh, just 12 verses we're going to read, and then we will dive in and pray. But it's a good story. Matthew 2, verse 1. It says this, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. And this is found in Micah. It says this, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel." The hen Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. Verse 8, he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Now Herod's lying. He doesn't want to go worship Jesus. He wants to kill him. All right? Verse 9, after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They call him a child, so he's about two years old. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Uh, Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We do uh, praise you that you did come 2,000 years ago as a baby. to live and then to die for us so that we could go to heaven someday. You, brought, uh, you bought us back. You redeemed us. And as we read this Christmas story, we've read it dozens of times, may we learn something new and uh, what your word has to tell us. I pray for your Holy Spirit to be present today and that we would expect great things. Um, and we just want to worship you as the wise men did, bow down and worship you uh, on this Christmas season. And it's, it is all about you, Lord. We thank you for that. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, you guys know the song, uh, We Three Kings? Yeah? It's a really dumb song. I don't really like it. But it's kind of catchy. But I sang it in my preschool choir. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yes, I sang it in my preschool choir. I was about like four years old, something around there. I don't know how old preschoolers are again. 
I know. Oh, there is a video of it. I don't know where it is. Um, but I'm in some nice Christmas sweater. The hair looked kind of the same. Got to keep the hair right, all right? And uh, we're, we're, we're there presenting the, the song, and it's We Three Kings. Now, I, I used to think the song kind of went like this, and I had to write it down because this is how, you know, as, as a four-year-old, you don't really listen to grammar, punctuation that much. And then when you get older, you're like, oh, that's what it means. That's what it means. Oh, I was so dumb. Yeah, we were really dumb when we were little. Anyway, we three kings of orientars, bearing gifts, we traveled so far. A field and fountain, moron mountain, following yonder star. Star of wonder, star of night, star of royal beauty, bright, don't take pictures, less westward evening, still proceeding. Guide us to thy perfect light. So I got that part right. But Moron Mountain is not part of the song. Yeah. Okay. Did you stop clapping? Okay. Um, it, the song doesn't go like that. It's, it's more, more, I still don't know what the song means. It's an old hymn. Moron Mountain. More, that's why anyone would think it's called Moron Mountain. Um, it's kind of weird. Anyway, look. In that song, it's a, it's a fine song, okay? But the Bible never says if there were three kings. And the Bible doesn't even say that they were kings. They really weren't kings. They were kind of astrologers and advisors to kings. And we don't even know if there were three. I, I tend to believe that there are more than three. I'd like to believe that. I don't think three wise men are going to journey by themselves through the desert. And uh, it just says that there were three gifts. All right? We get the three wise men thing. I don't know how. But anyway, the Bible tells us that these magi come from the Far East, see this star shining, and then they follow the star. And it's pretty interesting. Now this star, we're not going to really talk about the star. I want the, the theme to be the, the wise men and what Jesus um, talks about in his word. But the star, it, um, Bible scholars believe it could have been a mixture of three things. A supernova, where a star blew up, and then, then they saw it years later, and they followed that star. Maybe. Some say a comet. A comet just zoomed out and... Uh, Scholars do say that there was a comet around that time, but a comet is most likely not what would happen. Most Bible scholars believe that it was convergence of the three planets, Jupiter, Saturn, and Mars, coming together um, at the right time. And when they came together in their orbits, it, it shows something of a huge, just beaming light in the sky. Um, and that did happen around that time. Scholars can, can trace back into history the kind of the, the timeline of when that happened. So God could have used that. Could that have happened? Yes. Could he have just placed a cool star in the sky with a baby face in it like Teletubbies? And uh, I hope not. That's really creepy. But it's terrifying. I don't think the wise men would follow that. Um, but you've got, you've got a star in the sky. And the star um, could have been just something God placed in the sky and then took, take it away when it's done. So it could have been anything. But uh, lo and behold, regardless, there was a star. There was something in the sky that... They, that were attract, uh, they were, the wise men were attracted to this, this beaming light that the, the Bible says in here. Anyway, get that baby star out of your skull. It's just terrible. Um, but I want to talk about kind of the history of this. So look at the screen with me. The history of the wise men. Then we're going to talk about the gifts, what they symbolize, what they mean. And then we're going to talk about the application, what Jesus calls for us today. The wise men were actually advisors to kings or astrologers, and they studied the night sky. So these guys... Um, studied like the, the stars, the night sky, the constellations. There it is again. The constellations, just ignore it. The stars and what have you. But they were advisors to kings, probably. They weren't kings themselves, but uh, they studied the night sky. Um, 
and they would trace the stars, see the Big Dipper, or some major, or some minor, Orion's belt, and uh, they, would, they would love to watch the night sky. That's what these wise men, these magi were. Um, magi is just another word for wise men. And so you have these guys living far in the east, and I'm going to, here's the next bullet point. They came from the east, the Bible tells us, and this east, which uh, is modern-day Iraq, or it could have been beyond, um, that's where they're kind of from. And this part of Iraq would, would be like where Babylon is, maybe the, the Euphrates and Tigris River, but somewhere in that far east, otherwise known as Persia. And Iraq today is modern Persia. So these guys were not Jews. They were not um, from Israel. They were from the far east. So they're traveling roughly around 1,000 miles or more on camels, on foot, and they're, they're traveling to see what this star is all about. Now, they had to have gotten some revelation or prophecy or whatever that this star was shining on the Messiah that was supposed to be coming. And so this star that's, in, that's guiding them is there for a reason. It wasn't just something out of the ordinary. And, and the wise men would have known this. And so they start on their quest to find out where this Messiah is. And it's no, most likely around 1,000 uh, or more miles they had to travel. So uh, the next one, it would have taken about two years for their journey. They see the star, and it's kind of cool how this all lines up too, because when the star appears, it's when Jesus is born. So if it takes around two years for them to get there, they find Jesus, he's two years old. He would have been a baby boy. Not in the manger still, that's where the shepherds come in. But the wise men would have been way after. So they find the star, it would have taken about two years on foot or on camels or whatever, um, trekking through the desert, and, uh, and then they find where the star lands. And it's actually kind of cool. The wise men were somewhat prophesied in Isaiah 60, verse 6. I'm just going to read it to you real quick. You don't have to turn there. But Isaiah says something in, very interesting in chapter 60, verse 6. He says, Herds of camels will cover your land, young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all from Sheba will come bearing gold and incense. It actually says gold and incense that the wise men gave. And it says, And proclaiming the praise of the Lord. Pretty interesting that the wise men were somewhat prophesied a couple hundred years ago before it actually happened. And they do bear gold and incense. The flocks of camels from Sheba and, and, uh, and that place around there, it's, it's around modern Iraq right now, Persia. And they're, tre- and they're making this trek. Pretty interesting that these wise men come from nowhere to see what? To see this baby boy who's called the Messiah. They, they must have known something with the prophetic message of Daniel, maybe, that this, there was a Messiah that would become, that would be born. Maybe they read some of the prophets. Um, who knows? But they were expecting to see something. Now, what we just read in, in Matthew chapter 2, look again in verse 2. The Magi come. They don't go straight to Bethlehem, though. They go straight to Jerusalem first. And it says here that they asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. So they enter in Jerusalem and they say, hey, where is this baby? Where is this one that was prophesied king of the Jews? And it says King Herod hears about this. He's disturbed. He has no idea what they're talking about. He's like, what baby? What are you talking about? I'm the king. What king are you talking about? And he says here that he was disturbed. When he called together all the chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where this Christ was to be born. He's like, hey, come, come here. Where, where is this child supposed to be born that these wise men from nowhere have come and asked me? And they said, well, it's found in the prophet Micah, that out of Bethlehem, the Christ would be born. So then Herod's like, hey, wise men, come here. Um, you guys are wise men, and so I just want to tell you something real quick. Hey, go find this baby. I think he is supposed to be born in Bethlehem, and you'll probably find him there. So when you come 
find the child, can you come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him as well? I want to worship the king. Okay, Herod is out of his mind. He's not being truthful. He actually wants the wise men to come back and tell him where he is so that Herod can go kill him. Herod's the king. He feels that this is a threat to his throne. And he says, look, just come back. Tell me where he is so I can go worship him as well. I want to worship the king. King baby Jesus. Now the wise men think that he's telling the truth. Okay. So they go because then in it later they, they get revealed in a dream by an angel. Or <laughs> wow. An angel. I don't know what that is. I don't want that. Here. Stupid microphone. No, I got this. Oh, we got this. We got this sound guy. All right, we still good? You still alive? No, just your ears are ringing now. Um, okay, we were talking about uh, monkeys and bananas, right? No, shepherds, my, magi. Let's go. I don't even know where I was. Um, Magi trekking in the east. Okay, Herod wants to go and worship him. Right, he just wants to kill him, really. Herod wants to kill him because he feels that Jesus is a threat to his throne. He didn't hear about this. The Magi get revealed in the dream later. Hey, don't go back the same way you came because Herod wants to kill him. Go back a different way. And the Magi follow. They do that. And it's interesting. Read also in verse 9. It says, After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. That's pretty cool. Again, Jesus is not in the manger. He's not in the stable or that cave, whatever, that Mary and Joseph had to go, through, go in because there was no inn. They're in this house. And they find that the star sort of just went where the child would be and then literally like shone down or stood above where the child would be. And so they're just still following the star. And now Bethlehem is just a little mile south of Jerusalem. So they come to Bethlehem. They come to the house of Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus, two years old. Wouldn't that be cute to see Jesus two years old? That's awesome. I know. I don't know what he would have looked like, but he probably would have just been the cutest baby ever. Anyway, the wise men come. They see the star, and they come in. And they, it says that they see Mary with the baby boy. Verse 11. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down. And they worshipped him. And they bowed down. They recognized this baby as the king of the Jews, not only the king of the Jews, but the Messiah that was prophesied to redeem Israel, and not just Israel, but the whole world. This was the Savior that was born. And these wise men recognized this. These wise men aren't Jews. They're Gentiles. They're, they're from far away. And they see this star, they see this beaming light guiding them, saying there's something you need to see. Because Jesus would be the Savior, not just for them, but for the entire planet, the entire world, needs a Savior. This Jesus is born. He's two years old. And they present him with gifts. Look again, it says, they opened up their treasures, and they presented him with gifts of gold, of incense, and of myrrh. And they opened up their gifts. And there is probably hundreds, I don't know, maybe a thousand wise men. We don't know. I, I highly doubt there were three. I think there were a lot more than that. But they opened up their gifts, and they give him these treasures. Jesus sees the gold, incense, and myrrh. Who knows? Is, he's God, so does he, does he know who he is at that age? I don't know yet. Does he, is he just a baby boy, and when he becomes 12 and older, then he recognizes who he is? Maybe so, but who knows? 
But he's just receiving these gifts, gold, frankincense, that's what the King James says, frankincense, NIV says incense, and of myrrh. And I want to talk about these gifts now. We've seen the history, the timeline of the wise men, who they were. I want to talk about the gifts, because the gifts really symbolize something that's far greater than just gold, incense, and myrrh. Here, here you go, Jesus. Have some gold, incense, myrrh. You like that song where said the shepherd boy to the mighty king and give him the gold. He's shivering in the cold, whatever. And uh, gold's not going to help. It's, it's good money, but it's not, a, it's not a warming blanket anyway. They give him these gifts, but the gifts have greater meaning than just a gold, incense, and myrrh. And I want to talk about that. The gifts of gold first symbolizes Jesus as king. When you look into the deeper meaning of what gold meant, gold in this time was, is, was for royalty. Gold was for, you know, the, only the rich. I mean, Jesus and Mary and Joseph were, were known as like peasants. They just, they were not rich. Mary and Joseph were poor. So to give this gift of gold, Jesus is, rep, uh, it represents Jesus as this mighty king. And they recognize this. They didn't just randomly give, let's give him gold. Hey, we got some incense and we'll just throw in some myrrh. And we'll talk about what myrrh is. They, they distinctly gave and intentionally gave these three gifts to mean something. And the gold is number one. And in 1 Timothy 6.15, I want to read this to you. It says, God, the blessed and only ruler, capital R, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Paul would write that to Timothy, that God, the only ruler, and he's the King of kings, capital K, and he's the Lord of lords, capital L. Jesus is the King of all. And the wise men recognize this. They present him gold. That's a symbolic of his royalty, that he is king, not just king of the Jews, The Jews wanted a king to redeem them from the Roman Empire. Rome was the dominant empire at this time. The Jews wanted to be redeemed from this. They hated the Romans. They didn't want anything to do with them. They think Jesus, the king of the Jews, he's going to save us from the Romans. Jesus came as not only for the king of the Jews, his own people, he came as the king of the entire world. Pretty interesting. Number two, the incense. This frankincense or incense was uh, a type of incense that the priests in the Old Testament would sprinkle on the mercy seat and on the altar. And it would be symbolic of basically the prayers going up to to God in heaven, that he would smell the incense, the aroma, and it would be pleasing to him. It was a symbolic of of the prayers that the priests would sprinkle on. This is what priests would use, incense. And so they give him incense. Why? Because it's symbolic of Jesus as our great high priest. Interesting. And what was the priest for? The priest was really for representing the people, the Jews, to God, and then God to the people. He would be that mediator between man and God because man could never get to God by himself. He had to go through the priest, the high priest. We have a great high priest now, not in the Catholic Church, but it's Jesus, our great high priest. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Jesus is our great high priest. He is now that person that is the mediator between us and God. If you want to get to God, you just go directly through Jesus. He is now our high priest. He now meets our needs. He was human. He knows our struggles. He knows our weaknesses. We can go directly to Jesus to get to the Father. I don't really want to go through anybody else. I want to go directly to Jesus. Jesus can take my burdens. He can take my fears. He can take my doubts. He is our great high priest. The wise men recognize this, that he would be the great high priest. And the book of Hebrews, the the word priest and high priest is found numerously in Hebrews. But the writer is saying, look, Jesus is our now great high priest. They don't have to go through the priestly word anymore. Jesus now fulfills that. He is our high priest. So if you need 
to get to, to, get to God the Father and you, you have doubts and you maybe, you maybe you go through friends through prayer or through parents, that's great. But Jesus really wants your ultimate prayers and he, he wants to hear from you. He wants that relationship. He is our great high priest. That's the, that's the role of the incense. Last but not least, the myrrh. Now myrrh was common, common, kind of like an embalming oil or sort of like a lotion or aloe kind of. like This myrrh was, was used for burials and people who were dead, they would embalm the body and then place them in the tomb. And this was symbolic of Jesus' death on the cross. It's interesting how they gave him gold, incense, and myrrh. He's the king. He's also a high priest. Now he's also our sacrificial lamb. He's our savior who came to save us, but he was also, he didn't just come to live as a baby boy and to say, here I am, I'm really God. No, he came, really, his mission was to die on the cross. That's the whole reason Jesus came, was to see, uh, seek and save the lost and then to die. He came to die. And Jesus in his humanity, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying to the Father because he knew his hour had come that he would be crucified, most painful death ever, his humanity comes out and he says, Father, if there is another way, can, can you just show it? Because I don't know if I want to go through this, but not my will, but your will be done. Jesus ha- was a human. He's fully God, he's fully human, and his humanity's coming out there. And he says, I know that this is the plan you have for me. I know I have to die and suffer, but please, if there's another way, I'd, I'd take it. But if it's not your will, then I want your will to be done. And Jesus knew he had to fulfill scripture, he had to come this way. But you can see his humanity coming out, that he is human and he didn't want to go through this painful death but he did and this myrrh was symbolic of that and the myrrh is found in Jesus' burial John chapter 19 verse 39 Nicodemus, you guys remember Nicodemus who Jesus witnessed to and he talked to and he says look if you want to be born again you have to go through me he's the, the whole thing with Nicodemus coming at night and Jesus talking to him if you want to be born again it's through me and he says Nicodemus uh, when Jesus is dead he brought a mixture of myrrh and he brought aloes, about 75 pounds. 75 pounds of myrrh and aloes. So that's a lot of aloe cream when you get sunburned. Amen? I mean, I use it all the time. But anyway. Uh, it says, taking Jesus' body, the two of them, that's Joseph of Arimathea, wrapped his body with the spices in the strips of linen. And they, they placed him in the tomb with myrrh. That he, he was given this myrrh for his death. It, he fulfilled that. So the wise men come and present gold, incense, myrrh. This would be symbolic of his death. That's the most important one. Because Jesus had to die for you and me. He had to die for you and me. And it's a great story of the wise men recognizing this, having to understand this. What does it mean for you and me today? It means a lot. The Christmas story is about the visitation of the Magi. It's more than just coming and giving him gifts. It symbolizes now that all nations can come to Jesus Christ. That Jesus came for all people. You know, the shepherds in, in Luke's story, the shepherds come and they're, they're Jews. And Jesus was a Jew when he was born. He was king of the Jews and Jesus would be born through Mary and Joseph. Um, I'm sorry, just Mary. Wow, that's wrong theology. Mary and God the Father, the Holy Spirit. But Mary and Joseph were Jews. And Jesus would come. And Jesus did. He died for his own people. But Jesus didn't just come for the Jews. He came for everybody. The Bible teaches that. And the wise men represent you and me. We're not Jews. Are there, are there any Jewish people in here? Okay. Oh, oh, good. That's awesome. Sorry. I didn't mean to, like, single you out. That's great, though. Came for the Jews. Came for the Gentiles. Jesus came to die for all. That's his point. The wise men represent you and me from all nations that come. 
just bow down and worship him. Jesus came for all men. He came for all people. He's our great king if you accept him. He's our great high priest if you go to him. And he's our sacrificial lamb if you believe in that and accept it. He died for you and me, whether we like it or not, regardless of where we've been in our sin. It says The Bible says that Jesus came and was made sin for us, that he could die for us. He, he was that perfect sacrificial lamb, the Bible says. And the wise men represent people from everywhere that want to come visit Jesus, bow down, worship him. Maybe that's your story, my story for today, that those, um, you know, who, who feel like I'm not accepted by Jesus or Jesus doesn't love me, I don't know how to approach Jesus. Jesus' whole mission and his ministry was a relationship with his people. He came as king. He is king of kings. He came as high priest. He is that high priest that we can get to God through Jesus. But he also came to die for us. There is no greater love than for one to die for his friends, John, John's gospel tells us. And there's a verse in John 1, verse 12. It's on the screen. It says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. What's that mean? It means all who receive him, all who receive Jesus, okay, I believe in Jesus, and you believe in his name, you believe who he is, what he did for us on the cross, anyone who receives and believes in him, God now says, I give you the right, you are now children of me, you are my children, there's relationship there. In the Bible, we're always represented as the children of God, we're represented as the friends of God, we're represented as the bride of God, Jesus in, in marriage symbolism, Jesus is our groom. We are the bride. There's a marriage symbolism there. Anyone who believes in Jesus and receives him is now a child of God. You have a relationship with Jesus. That's why Jesus came. And this, this is the whole Christmas story, really. And it's the perspective of the wise men. You can go off the perspective of the shepherds. You can go on the perspective of the star, Mary and Joseph. You can go the perspective of the donkey, really. But the Magi, the wise men, I wanted to touch base on this because they represent everybody. They represent the whole world. That everybody comes. Maybe it takes two years or more. You're on a quest. You're on a journey. You're finding what this guiding light is all about. Maybe Jesus has placed this light somewhere in your life, symbolic. You see it, but you haven't followed it yet. You, You know who Jesus is, but you know you haven't really given... You're all to him. I pray that you do. The wise men did. The wise men come, they see the star, they travel, and they just come, and they just want to bow down and worship Jesus. They give him the gifts. And then the angel of the Lord appears to them in a dream. He says, I want you to go a different route because the baby boy's threatened, his life is threatened, and they go. It's going to be pretty cool when we go to heaven. No doubt we'll, be, we'll see these wise men. We'll see the ones that represented all nations that come to Jesus. Jesus accepts all, he loves all, and he died for all. He died for you and me. It's great to know the real meaning of Christmas and how Jesus is king, he's our high priest, and he's our sacrifice. No man can come to the Father except through Jesus. That's what John fourteen six says. He is the way and the truth of life. 
You and I cannot get to God unless it's through Jesus. You can't get through any priest. You can't go through any other religion. You can't go through a parent. You can't go through a friend. You can't put your faith in someone else's faith. You have to own your own faith. You have to own it. You can't go through anybody else except through Jesus. Do you guys get this? Make sense? Let's just know what the real meaning of Christmas is. Accept it. And thank Jesus for dying for us. But first coming as a baby boy. Amen? Amen. I pray that you guys have a great Christmas. I'm going to pray for you. And uh, let's remember the reason for the season. I know that's cheesy and cliche. But the reason for the season is about Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. And you guys have a Merry Christmas. Father, we thank you for this time. We do thank you for your word. And we, we want to dwell on the fact that you are our king. You are our high priest. And you are our sacrificial lamb. You came to die for us. Father, we look at the story of the Magi, the wise men, and how they represent all nations. They represent the world that that can come to you. You accept those who come, bow the knee, and worship you. You don't throw any, any other past sin. You don't throw any grudge against us. You just accept us. You love us. You have compassion. And Lord, we want to understand and we want to know the true meaning of Christmas. This Christmas season where we can get busy with the hustle and bustle of gifts and buying things and Christmas trees and and whatever, Lord. It's all fun and stuff, but we want to know and understand and believe the true meaning of Christmas. May we never forget that. May we never forget that you came 2,000 years ago as a baby. You lived and you died for us. Father, we just want to dwell on that. We, We thank you. We can't thank you enough. And we want to just uh, put our, ourselves in the wise men's shoes and how they traveled to see you. They don't say anything. They just present you with gifts and they bow and worship you. May we do the same. May we come to you freely, bow and worship you. We thank you for this time, Lord. Give us a safe Christmas and great Christmas Eve services here at Cornerstone. I pray that people would come to know you in a personal way if they don't already. And that they would see that you are all just, you're about relationships, you're about love, you're about grace. We thank you, Father, for this time. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For additional teachings and to learn more about the Cornerstone Chapel Youth Group, visit us online at cornerstonechapel.net.